Welcome. This is Pastor Danny with Word of Faith Family Church in beautiful Lander, Wyoming. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I pray you will be energized and strengthened as you listen to God's Word. Well, let's pray over the Word. We'll get started today. Lord, we do thank you for your Word, that your Word is always good and fresh. And Lord, you're so, so good as we sang about your goodness following us. Lord, we're so thankful that you are good through and through. And we're just so thankful that you love us so and you make provisions for us and you have such great patience with us. We're so thankful. And Lord, today as we study your word, we just uh, open our hearts to receive from you and give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, before we get started today on our series, as we're starting this brand new series on the road to Damascus, uh, I want to talk to fathers just for a minute because this is, uh, this is a special day. And, uh, uh, and, and really, the, the specialness of being a father, uh, Scripture, my goodness, all the things, and especially like John that talks about the father and uh, you know our role as fathers, and especially in today's time when fathers are really under attack, a serious attack. We see um, so many, you know, to uh, to uh, just really push the fathers down, masculinity down, and uh, not just attack on the on the fathers, on the mothers too, and and men and women just in general. And we talked about that here a while back, that, uh, that really the attack uh, has been, even from the very beginning, it's nothing new. And, uh, but, the, but the purpose, obviously, we can see through Scripture, is to attack the seed. Because the seed is part of the mandate of the blessing. And if you'll turn uh, in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, we'll look at that just for a moment here. And just see the importance of uh, fathers and uh, oh, what our role and men uh, of our role that's even started, you know, before we were ever born. And so let's look in uh, Genesis chapter 1 and um, look at uh, verse 27. Uh, Genesis 1 27. And uh, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them, and God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves up on the earth. And so as he started out with this blessing that he spoke over mankind to mankind and said, in this blessing, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Guess what? God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. His mandate for mankind is still the same today as it was back then. Well, how many of you know the enemy knows this? Uh, the enemy knows the power of the blessing, and he's going to try to intercept that and try to do something with it. So any way he can... He wants to stop the multiplication process on this earth. 
But and, and as you know, we've been uh, 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 on Wednesday nights, we've been talking a lot about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, and uh, how that the purpose of the kingdom is that earth is that that uh, um, that earth is a mandate to be uh, uh, populated, to be made just like heaven. That's the purpose of a kingdom: is to uh, have another place that they multiply. That that uh, that the king's ways are upon that place, and it becomes like the kingdom. And of course, then we know through Scripture we are God's ambassadors here on this earth. We represent Him here. Jesus came. Uh, and showed us how that the ambassador, because Adam didn't do a very good job of it, right, <laughs> in the garden, and uh, uh, sinned against God. But then Jesus, referred to as the second Adam, came and showed us how that the kingdom was to operate here on the earth. And then as he left uh, after his death, burial, and resurrection, he left the Holy Spirit here on this earth to help us to carry on uh, the king, uh, the kingdom of God on this earth. We know, even though Satan is the god of this world, that God still owns this world. Praise God, Amen. And we have we've been set here legally to represent God here on the earth. And so part of that goes back to the very beginning when God created mankind. The uh, the command was given to mankind under the blessing to multiply and increase upon the earth. And as I said before, that the importance of that is so powerful still today, and the enemy has fought that and tried to... I mean, you look at that even in Jesus' time, what happened? Um, you know, the, the attack was against Jesus, but really it was even more than that. It was against all the, the men-child that was born, the firstborn in that, so that there could not be the replenishing the earth it was tried to intercept that command that was given to mankind under the blessing and uh, so we still see that vein still flowing today we still see the attack against uh, manhood against mankind and and uh, really just against the seed itself so uh, men I want to just encourage you today that as fathers and I want to commend you for taking the time to be here today showing your family the importance that you represent as the head of, of your household to, um, to show your children and those of your grandchildren too the importance of putting God first in your life. And as you do that, you can, we, we know that we have the blessing of God in our, in our lives, praise God. And so teach your children Teach your children, teach your grandchildren what the Word of God has to say and what the enemy's attacks. You know, we're, we're told in Scripture not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, the things he'll bring along to try to intercept God's plan in our life. But how many of you know God's plan's greater? Praise God. Where sin abounds, grace is much more abound. Uh, God always has the last say-so, praise God. Men have always tried to exalt themselves, and Satan tried that once, and uh, got very prideful. How many of you know the Bible says pride comes before a fall, and and that that pride in 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 the enemy's life cost him. He was a he was a leader. He was uh, over the the uh, the uh, worship in heaven, and 
And the Bible says that they saw Satan fall from heaven as lightning. Uh, he, was, he was cast out because of the pride that he tried to exalt himself against God. Oh, I'm going to do it my way. Well, mankind's always trying to do that, but I'm telling you, God's God. Amen? And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. has a great plan for our lives. And he loves us so much. And so, man, back to this word of encouragement to you, that whether you're a dad or father or not, uh, or sometime will be, know this, that there is an attack against the manhood of men and the masculinity of man that God's called. If you'll notice, the second part of this verse has a lot to do with a man when he says that we are to have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. One thing that God gave mankind was dominion on this earth, authority here. Now, not over people, you understand. Uh, there's no place, nothing that gives us a right to dominate uh, people, but uh, we have a right where the enemy comes and tries to bring things against our family and in our lives, we have a right to stand up and say, no, you don't. And that's where men are really good at, if they'll be the man, be the, the husband, be the, the father in the home, to stand up against things that the enemy would bring against the home and say, no, you don't, not in this household. And, and it's important, I'm not saying that women, that you can't do that, and I know we have uh, 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 many situations, many times, single moms that are working uh, in homes that are doing their best that they know to do, and I know that God blesses that, uh, but I tell you what, there's also nothing that takes the place of a man or a woman in the home uh, as a mother or a father. It's very important God created it that way. It doesn't matter what we think about it. It matters what he thinks about it. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you to know, even though the attacks may come against you from being less than, than who God created you, the enemies under your feet, praise God, you and I can rise up and be the person that God's called us to be. Amen. And God blesses that. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's just, uh, there, there's just something special and some important fathers uh, that are, that are, that are uh, good fathers that stand up and be who God's called them to be. I want to look at just a couple of things. Um, I would say this. I'm going to give you just a short list, and I need to keep moving because I, I want to get started on our new series here today. But uh, fathers, be a father of prayer. I'm going to say a man of, because I know there may be some here today that you're not fathers yet or, or not a father, but um, this would apply to you, applicable to you as well. So be a father of prayer, a man of prayer. What does that mean? That means lead your family in prayer. That means show them the importance of prayer. And, 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 you know, that's one thing that we always tried to do, you know, in our home was to pray together, pray about situations and things and get our family involved uh, with us. Our boys were, you know, involved in it. We'd pray and set our faith for something. Or the boys would be right there in the middle of it. 
and the importance and they saw and, and many times we'd see the things come to pass and we'd say remember when we prayed about this or we were have our faith set for this believe in God look here it is and to show them and so it's important uh, amen to teach your children the importance of prayer amen be, and in order to do that you have to be a person of prayer alright um, even something simple is be a father of play Hallelujah. It's lacking a lot in today's times. Dads, take your children out and play with them. Spend the time with them. That's how you can bond with them even more than ever. The importance of it. Taking the time to do things with them. Amen. Be a father. Um, be a father of purpose. Let them know that you have a purpose in your life. That you're not just here you know, sucking up air and taking up space, but that you have a purpose in life and that you're not just nobody, but you're somebody and God's put special things inside of each one of you. And as you put God first in your life, he'll show you how to begin what some of those things are and begin to give you those desires to be able to do things and, and and this is you know i've heard people say well how do i know that this is god's desire in me and it's not just my desire so how many of you know that the scripture says uh, uh, when a man's ways please the lord see that's first off he 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 create he brings the desires to pass he begins to bring those things. Well, what happens? When we begin to walk according to God's word, then those desires that begin to come and are birthed and begin to run inside of us are desires that he puts in there. We might think it's our desires. Well, they are, but they're really God's desires in us that he puts in us because he loves us. It's not something we have to come up with something, but uh, and that's based off of our relationship with him. As we spend the time with him, then he's able to work those things in us. So we need to be a, a father of purpose. We need to be a father of praise. We need to be willing to praise our children, our grandchildren. Let them know when they're doing something right. Let them know how much you appreciate them. Let them know how much the father appreciates them, the heaven, your heavenly father. Let them see the heavenly father through you. And be a person that's going to be there uh, regardless, even if they mess up, to help instruct them and lead them in the right path. You know, a lot of times um, families, a lot of times children are always put down. They're never praised. They're, it's always the, the, you know, can you not do any worse? Can you not, you can't get this right, on and on. And so, uh, obviously, that child grows up thinking they can never do anything right. But it's important. Praise. Our Father praises us, our Heavenly Father. Amen. We need to do the same. How many of you know a little bit of encouragement sometimes goes a long ways? And we need to be uh, uh, open to doing that and, and uh, uh, so giving praise. How about being a father of giving? showing our children the importance of giving because how many of you know our heavenly father showed us first he gave us his only begotten son he gave the ultimate gift 
And we need to show our children the importance. They need to see us giving. Not so we can say, oh, look at me, we're giving. But the, the principle of it, because we know that, uh, what's the scripture say? Give and it will be given back unto us. Good measure, pressed on, shaking together. How is that? Th that that's a principle that works. And we know that the seed time and harvest principle is working in the earth and will always be as long as the earth remains. Seed time and harvest will be uh, alive and well in, in working in, in the earth. And so we need to show our children the importance of giving. Giving will get you into things and will bring things into your life that never ever you'd be able to get on your own through the giving principle. Because giving produces a multiplication back, doesn't it? It brings back an increase. How about being a father of love? One that loves like Jesus loved. What is that? That's unconditional love. That's loving regardless of whether we feel lovable or not. Aren't you thankful that God loves us even when sometimes we're not the most lovable? He loves us and cares for us and is there for us. And we need to do the same to our children. How many of you know we all mess up? We all make mistakes. But love goes a long ways. When we love regardless, it oversees things and will continue on. And so it's important to teach our children the love of God. How about just being a father of integrity? Just integrity in general is hard to find today. Doing what's integrity? Doing the right thing whether somebody's paying attention or not. Whether somebody notices or not. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the core, what's coming out of the core, what's coming out of the inside. Being that person of integrity to do the right thing all the time. Doesn't mean that we don't, like I said earlier, that we don't miss it or mess up from time to time. But, praise God, God's working on us and... There's always room for improvement. Amen. And, and, and so we can always improve more, but the important thing is, is that we strive to be better today than we were yesterday. We try to strive to be better this year than we were last year. Integrity is very important. Being a person of integrity covers a lot of bases, covers a lot of things. And when we teach our children the importance and those important points of integrity, then we know that when they get in a tough situation, a, a debatable situation, they'll make the right choice. That's what we want. Amen? I mean, you know, we can always miss it, you know, sometimes, but isn't it better when we don't? Isn't it better when we do make the right choice when we're supposed to make the right choice? Instead of, well, you know, I shouldn't have done that. Well, thank God for forgiveness. Thank God we're always learning. But, you know, there's a growing process, too. So some of these things we need to grow out of. It's a part of growing up, praise God. Part of putting on your big boy pants, amen. And sometimes and just doing regardless of whether the flesh likes it or not and that we make the decision to be that person of integrity. Because God shows us how to do it. He, he plainly, all through his word, shows us how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to walk, how we're supposed to talk, how we're supposed to think, how we're supposed to interact. All through Scripture, he tells us how to be just like him. If we ever wonder what it looks like, just look at him. Look at our Father, our Heavenly Father. He set a great example for us. Amen?
And so, fathers, today I want to uh, commend you on, uh, on being the father that you are and for being willing to lead your family in the things of God and always desiring to be better. We should always be teachable. Always, because there's always room for improvement in every one of us, right? None of us have arrived yet. We're all working on things. And the importance of, of, of being teachable, being willing to change if we do something wrong, that we're, that we're willing to say, you know, I want to do right. And that shows the heart, the intent of the heart. And God sees that, and thank God he has patience, sometimes much more than what we do with other people. And so but we're learning, praise God, and he teaches us how to be more like him. So, any, any, if there's ever any question on how we're supposed to act as fathers, as dads, as men of God, we can look through Scripture and we can clearly see our Heavenly Father. He set a great example. Matter of fact, as we read the Word of God, as we look into the Word of God, the Bible says that we're changed into that same image as what we're looking into. We're changed into that image day by day. So it's a continuous thing. It doesn't just happen overnight, does it? But it, we're changed into that image the more that we look in and we begin to see how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to think, how we're supposed to talk, how we're supposed to interact, and so on and so forth. And so spending time in the Word of God begins to have a great effect on our lives. We're all, all growing. Amen. Like I said, none of us have arrived yet. We're all growing, praise God. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. There's room for improvement on all of us, right? Yep. Amen. Praise God. All right. Let's, let's move on. And I, we're going to talk about uh, 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 Paul a little bit. But how many of you know that before there was Paul, there was Saul? Anybody know why his name was changed? Or why he, he went by Paul more than he, in the latter part of his life than he did Saul? How many of you know, because I thought for a while that God had changed his name. Because God did, uh, you know, with Peter and also with Abraham and whatnot. And, uh, but we find out as we begin to read that God didn't actually change his name. Paul actually changed his name. Because Paul and Saul, Paul had a... A, um, he had a dual name. He was Saul Paul, or I don't know if it's Paul Saul. I think it was Saul Paul. Was he had both of those in his name? But I want to read just a couple of things uh, here to you, just to kind of help you understand, get a little bit of understanding about Paul, and because uh, we're going to be talking a lot about him. But we're mainly going to be talking as we continue on about some of the things, the importance of Paul's ministry and, and the importance of that ministry today and how it affects us in our everyday life today. But we're going to today, we don't have much time, and so we're just going to, going to lay some groundwork on this. Uh, uh, so Paul, the apostle, originally, uh, his original name was Saul of Tarsus. Right, Tarsus, now that's, if you look on the Mediterranean, Tarsus is clear up on the very top. It's way up there. And then you got, you got, this, remember we talk a lot about the Sea of Galilee. 
And uh, we talk about, you know, Jesus, so much of Jesus' ministry being down on the Sea of Galilee. So you got clear up here on the uh, Tarsus, clear up here on the, the very northern uh, coast, off the northern coast of the Mediterranean Sea, and then, the Mediter- and then, then way down like hundreds of miles down the coast, you go down to, um, you go down to um, uh, Caesarea, uh, you go down to uh, what we call uh, modern-day Tel Aviv, and then even 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 a little bit south of that and over east, then you have the Sea of Galilee, and then, of course, southwest of that, then you have, like, Jerusalem, where it's at. And so, and then Capernaum is just north of Tel Aviv, which is still hundreds of miles from uh, Tarsus, where where uh, um, uh, I forget what the modern modern day Tarsus is not known today as an actual suburb, but it's a it's a part of of uh, larger communities and larger towns there. And so um, when we read in Scripture and and you talk about you see where Jesus where uh, uh, Paul's ministry was at. A lot of his ministry, because he was born in Tarsus, is from there, and he went back there and ministered after his transformation. And so he had to go there by boat, which is, didn't just happen a matter of days, was probably months in the journey to get from um, uh, down around the uh, uh, Israel itself clear up to Tarsus. Just so you kind of give you that so you know a little bit. He did a lot of... I mean, that's ju- that was just that one trip. And obviously, I'll tell you what, Paul done a lot of moving around. He was a real uh, uh, missionary and a, an apostle. All right, let me just uh, pick out a couple of uh, important things here today. Um, um, oh, Tarsus in uh, uh, Cilicia. Now it's in Turkey, which is up in that area I was talking about. Um Let's see. So, of the 27 books of the New Testament, 13 are attributed to Paul. Think about that. He had his hand in a lot of books in the New Testament. Doesn't mean he wrote them all. He was involved. His his mention, he was one of the main authors, or one of the main uh, um, uh, people that was described and talked about in those different books. Um, he was born about the same time uh, of, uh, of Jesus. I don't know exactly for sure, maybe two or three years before him, but he was pretty close to Jesus' age, same age. All right. Um, let's see. Um, let's look at a couple of other things. Oh, so um, Paul was a Greek-speaking Jew, from Asia Minor, of course, his birthplace uh, Tarsus, um, and then uh, so what we see is that that uh, Paul, when he was, we're going to go back and look a little bit about on the road to Damascus, his account that he had there, but I want you to see this. In verse um, Acts 13, verse 9, let's look at that just real quick. Uh, Acts 13, let me go over there. 
we'll kind of get this laid out, and then you can kind of see a little bit more. As we go along, these, some of these things are going to be important. Do you know where Paul come from or where, you know, why he did certain things? So if you look up until verse 9 of Acts 13, uh, Saul uh, was considered with his name Saul. But then in verse 9 is the first mention that we have when Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. And so at this very time, um, we see that uh, the name Paul began to be brought in. Now, this is the thing to remember, that God didn't change his name, but Saul was his Jewish name, his Hebrew name, okay? Paul was his Roman name, or Grecian. He was... Um, and so what happened when Saul, when God got his attention, you notice that God even recalled him as Saul. But then he called himself when he began to minister to the, uh, the Gentiles, which is the Romans, the Grecians. He then adopted his name of Paul. And so... You know, Paul talked about being all things to all men. And so his importance of using the name of who he was ministering to opened doors on his behalf. So his Jewish name, and when they, they referred to him, would refer to him as Saul, but then he referred to himself as Paul when he was, and, and when he went back into Tarsus, and up into those areas, he was ministering to the Gentiles or those that didn't know uh, God, wasn't godly, they wasn't of the Jewish sect, and so he used his name from that. So, so there's something to remember. Um, so he used his Roman name. Um, it, it just enabled him to minister more freely and opened the doors for him to come in. But... Um, one thing to note here is that Paul means little or small. He liked using that name as well because he always talked about how he was, he was the little, God was the big. Okay? How he was, we were to lose ourselves in him. And so that had a, it had a, a, a lot of bearing, I think, on, uh, in his life and how he used that. Uh, let's look at something else here. Um, until about the uh, midpoint in his life, Paul was a member of the Pharisees, a religious party that emerged during the later Second Temple period. We know about the Pharisees, the Pharisees and Sadducees and, and all those, right? And uh, uh, which, which worked a lot in the tra traditions, and wasn't, even though Jew, we know he persecuted the Jews a lot and, and came against them. So we're going to look, and there's some other things that we could uh, get into. But let's turn in our Bibles to, let's go to uh, Acts, the ninth, ninth chapter. So let's back up just a little bit when God, when the transformation took place in Saul's life. So let's begin reading here in chapter 9. Uh, 
And we'll just begin reading here in verse 1. And, and I think I'm going to read this out of the, uh, another translation, maybe the NIV here, that will make it a little bit easier uh, to understand. Some of the King James and some of this is pretty, um, pretty tough. All right. So let's go to verse 1. I'm going to... I'll tell you what, I'll just, I'll just read it out of the New King James. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, or walking that way, you know, after Jesus, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone round about from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, see, God called him after the name Saul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Well, he knew who it was, because he called him Lord, didn't he? Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads and the the original King James says the pricks and in other words he's saying kicking against something sharp a sharp stick or a stone it's ultimately going to only hurt you okay that's what God was saying on this and so so he trembling and astonished said Lord what do you mean me to do what what do you want me to do and the Lord said unto him arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. And, of course, we know Damascus is over in uh, Syria. Um, it was over in that area. Now, now, there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias, and, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here am I, Lord. And so the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he had seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, and so that he might receive his sight. Now, you can kind of feel this after the Lord speaking to this, Here's Ananias' reply. Ananias went his way and entered the house, laying his hands. Oh, he says, uh, uh, I, I, I went past that. Uh, then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And there he has authority, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all those who call on his name. So he was saying, Lord, now wait a minute. I've heard of this guy. Not too friendly of a chap. And you're sending me in there. Okay. But the Lord said unto him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine. Now I want you to remember this because this is something that God was saying about Saul. This transformation was taking place that it just took place in his life and really was in the process of still taking place uh, because it has to do with as his ministry unfolded, then you go back to this point when God says he had his eye on him. 
And just as he persecuted the Christians, he was going to be a voice for the Christians. That's why I always say, regardless of how bad it seems like someone is, just remember, they're going to be that much in the good when they get their life straightened with God. Hallelujah. So don't give up on the worst one out there. I don't know. You might be the one. Or it might have been the one. Hallelujah. Praise God. But God will turn that around, praise God, because of his diligence to come against the, the uh, Christians, then his, his diligence would be to uh, be for God in, and not give up in them. All right, so he says, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before who? The Gentiles. So God was sending to the Gentiles, the kings, and also, thirdly, to the children of Israel. For I will show you how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Of course, we know that suffering was going to be by, as he represented Jesus in the earth, he was going to be come against. He's going to be criticized. He was going to be beaten. He was going to be brought before magistrates and different things. This is the suffering he's talking about. Doesn't have talk about anything fleshly. God doesn't put those bring those things. We it opens the door when we walk for God. It marks us. And sometimes there's some suffering that takes place in the way of accusations and things against us. And I Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul. I like that. Brother Saul. <laughs> the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here was this power that Paul needed, still working in him this ministry. God got his attention on the road to Damascus, spoke to him. It brought a change of heart at that point. In other words, Today's time would say that that's the point that he accepted the Lord. He accepted Jesus at that point because he knew he called him Lord. It was the importance of this. And then now he's going on, God's going to set him up. He had a little bit of time to think about it while he was, couldn't see anything. But now he's thought about it, been on this, set before Ananias. Ananias says, now God spoke to me about your ministry and I'm going to help you get there, praise God. I'm going to lay hands on you. You're going to, be, you're going to see. And this seeing, the part that he was blind in, wasn't just in his natural eyes, you understand. He had been blind spiritually. But from that time forward, he was not only going to begin to see again naturally, he was going to begin to see spiritually. And so, we see that he said... Um, um, and I'm sorry. Yeah, verse 17, or yeah, 18. Um, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So then, when he had received food, he went straightway. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. And then um, verse 20, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues and he, that he is the Son of God. Isn't it amazing how quickly the things begin to change in his life? One minute he was against the Christians, 
coming against them. And now through this major transformation, now he is standing up and being vocal. How many of you know that somebody timid and quiet wouldn't have done that? But Paul, God knew he had Paul's, Saul's number, and he knew that once he turned around, he would be an advocate for him, a voice that wouldn't be quiet. So immediately it says he preached the Christ in the synagogues, uh, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on the name of, in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwell in, in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. In other words, God's favor was upon him. His voice was strong. One thing you find out after you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, what happens? A boldness begins to come up on the inside. And we see that Paul, even though he was pretty bold against the Christians before, now's even being more bold for the things of God. He's the mouthpiece that's going out. He's the one that's crying out. He's the one that's, that's going to begin to take this message that God loves them and has a good plan for their lives. One thing we see in Paul's teaching and how God used them, him so much is who they were in Christ. Bringing about the portents. Once they got born again, John went ahead of them. John went a lot of places. Got them born again, praise God, baptized in water. And then Paul come along, got them filled with the Holy Ghost and began to teach them who they were in Christ. Began to teach them what, what they had in him that they weren't just a nobody, but that they had a authority in his name. And, and he began to, to let people know that it's not just about being just born again, but there's a much a deeper walk that God began to work in him uh, to prepare him for where he uh, was headed and what he needed to do. And that, that needed boldness to do. And so that boldness come upon him. Now after many days... Uh, pass in verse 23 the Jews plotted to kill him but their plot become known to Saul and they watched the gates day and night to kill him then the disciples took him by night led him down through a wall in a large basket so he escaped that and now when Saul had come to Jerusalem he tried to join the disciples but they're still all afraid of him because they did not believe that he was the disciple <laughs> his, word, his, his reputation had gone before him so there had to be some change taking place, right? And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem coming in and going out. And so he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, which is with the Grecians, which was a lot where he was from. But they attempted to kill him. And when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. And so, um, so he, they brought him uh, um, to that area, and now they're, they're, they're going to send him back to where he come from, back to the Gentiles, back to those that didn't know, uh, don't know him, and, uh, don't know the Lord, and he's got a ministry to do there. He's got some work to do. He's got, he knows that he's sent out to that. Now you think about Jesus 
and uh, talked about how that uh, when he went back to his own hometown, the Bible says that he could do no great works there because of their unbelief, because they didn't realize, they, didn't, they, they saw him as a carpenter's son, they didn't see him as the Messiah. But now Paul, he has had such a major transformation with this boldness, he goes back to his own t hometown, goes back to his own country, and as bold as he was against the Jewish people and against the Christians, now here he was for, uh, 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 for God, for Jesus, and he preached Jesus, praise God. And so he, that boldness in him, they saw without a doubt that there was a major transformation. They didn't see that in that way in Jesus, but now they see that in Paul. That's why Paul was so effective, even in his own country, even in Tarsus, that he began to, uh, the, the works that he began to do up there. So don't ever think you can't minister, because I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, even Jesus couldn't do things in his own hometown. Well, guess what? You're who God called you to be, and God's given you a voice. And God will open hearts where you can reach them even in your own hometown, praise God. So Paul was very, very bold, very brass. We know that in that. But he was, where did that come from? It come from the confident uh, 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 meeting that he had with a master. And when God got his attention, this was a serious thing. This was so much so that he knew without a doubt that his life was changed. And he would never, he, there was no way he could ever go back. And so God handpicked him to, to give us all the scripture in the New Testament, you know, concerning the things of Paul's writings and the things that Paul, where he ministered in the part that he stood behind, to tell us today that regardless of where we're at, that God can work through us and use us mightily. Now, up until that time, we had seen Peter and Stephen used a lot. We'd, used, we'd seen them in the ministry, especially around Galilee and around that area. But when Paul come on the scene, it even shook the disciples. Because obviously, when he went back there, they said they, they, they were scared of him because they, they thought because of his reputation. But he began to really shake things up, and he really began to... Uh, uh, cause a boldness to spread through the disciples in such a way that they begin to step it up in their ministry. And regardless, you think about that, how that God's all about modern-day Paul's today still to stir up people, other people, to know that, you know, you don't have to be a timid Christian. You can let people know God loves them and has a good plan for their lives. Again, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship with God. And out of that relationship, that's where Paul found himself. He met him on that road to Damascus. That relationship was huge to him. And because of him, a new and fresh boldness come out of his life to minister. And so I want to encourage you this morning in this, as we get into this series, we're going to begin to find out some of the things that Paul ministered and how that they're alive today, especially of who we are in Christ, especially of what God has given us 
and God has put on in, in, in us for today's time, for such a time as this. You think about it, I've said it, you've heard me say it many times. He could have picked anyone to represent him here on the earth, but he didn't, he picked us. And the reason he picked us is because we knew, he knew that we could do what we needed to do for now in this time. I think that's pretty special, and, and it's not, but there's a responsibility with that. We can't be meek about it. We can't just be, you know, hem-haw about it. We stand up in who God's called us to be, knowing that if it's in Him that we live and move and have our being. It's in Him that we draw our strength. It's in Him that we're able to help other people and, and, and help them see them delivered out of bondages of the enemy, praise God. Because God loves people, and we should love people. God's in the business of loving people. We should be in the business of loving people. Hallelujah. Even when some people seem unlovable, praise God. We give them the benefit of the doubt. We help them. We help. We try to, we try to uh, you know, show them the word of God, to give them help and let them know. Because we don't know sometimes what's going on in someone's past and what they've come out of and where, what they need help uh, going on in the future. And he needs some Pauls that will stand up for him and be the mouthpiece to help people when they're going through struggles and we're going through situations. When it seems like the, the whole world's against them to let them know they're not alone. Hallelujah. It takes some boldness sometime in the middle. Not to criticize, not to judge people, but to let them know that God has a great plan for their lives. That God loves them. Nobody likes to be put down or judged or condemned. God doesn't do that, and he doesn't want us to do that. But he wants us to lift people up. He wants us to help people along. Every one of us in this room have had struggles in different areas and things, and it's great when someone comes along. They may not know anything, but they're just a word in season, maybe a prayer, maybe just a, a word of encouragement whatever it may be, to help us go on and out of that situation. Because you know what? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the same place tomorrow that I am today. I don't want to be the same place next year as what I am this year. God wants us to grow, and he's given us his word, and especially I tell people, and, and, and this is what's so, so good about his word you know, a lot of people say, okay, well, where do I read in my Bible? Where do I start reading? Where do I? And we kind of tried to help you to do that a little bit with a, with a daily Bible reading. If you notice where we started back in Romans and, and Ephesians and, 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 and John and some of these different, the books to begin to lay a basis a little bit before we went on to some of the other things. And so I tell people this, I said, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong whatsoever with the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the Old Covenant. Just remember that your Old Testament is, uh, that's not what we live under. We live under the New Testament or the New Covenant. That was the Old Covenant. That's why a lot of the laws were there, the Levitical laws and things that they had to abide. A lot of people take those laws and still try to, try to live by some of those very things when there was a guide for those at the time when they were so far off base. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that we take and throw all that out because God's Word always, and that's the cool thing about the Old Testament, it always points to the New Covenant. It's a type and shadow of things to come. 
Guess what? Jesus returned coming, his name, what he was going to be named, whose name he was going to be named, and what he was going to do was prophesied in the old covenant of things to come. They didn't see it, they didn't understand it, but then after it happened, now we look back and the record was there years and years before. Hallelujah. We over and over again things that, that we see in the New Covenant, the New Testament that happened, we see that it was prophesied and it was spoken years and years before that time. And so we know that this is the coming of pass of it. It was a type and shadow of things to come. And there's still things when you begin to read, and especially in Ezekiel 38 and sometimes in Revelation and different things. There's still things that haven't happened on the earth yet that's going to happen and take place, not just on the earth but in the heavens and everything else, that yet it still spoke about and will still come to pass. Hallelujah. And so it's good, but it's not your primary book. It's not your primary. If you spend your whole time in the Old Testament, that's as far as you'll come. But Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the Old Covenant. I come to fulfill it and establish another covenant, uh, another testament on better promises. And so our main emphasis, what, what, what made the change between the Old and the New? Well, it was Jesus coming to the earth, wasn't it? He come and he says, I'm going to do things a little different. Things are going to be done a little different now. Second Adam is coming. Praise God, just like, well, why was he referred to as the second Adam? Just as the first Adam was to represent the kingdom of God upon the earth, only that he messed up. Now we have a second Adam. It's going to represent, come, represent, do it right, praise God, and redeem mankind from all the mess of those 2,000 years ago prior to that. So Jesus came on the earth. Was that one born, born right, born through a virgin, born, born legally upon the earth, and gave him a legal voice in the earth and a legal right to do what he needed to do. Walking his years upon the earth, 33 years, not sinning, was able to be the sacrificial lamb. His blood was slain for us, praise God. Thank God for that, amen. And so that started all things new. Now, he said, there's a new thing I'll begin to do. Instead of the laws before where they was all written down that you had to do it, now I'm going to begin to write those laws on your heart. And so now he lives on the inside of man. And, and, and so after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we could accept him in our heart, changes our heart, praise God, allows him to live on the inside. And, and the Holy Spirit's here on the earth to help us, to guide us. And he's going to lead us into all truths. Now, we don't have to have those laws to keep us because it's hard. The Scripture talks about how hard it is to keep those laws. And then if you miss it, oh, my. But now the Holy Spirit's going to be our guide to say, y'all didn't do that. No, that's not right, but this is right. This is what you need to do. I'm going to help you, and he helps us, praise God. My, 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 how much trouble does he save us? And so under this new, new covenant now, the new laws that he's written on our heart, he leads us. He don't lead us through angels or through prophetic things. Now, how does he do it? He lives on the inside. And even Paul said, he says, the Holy Spirit beareth witness. Everybody say beareth witness. The Holy Spirit beareth witness with our spirit. We know that we are a number one. We are a what? Spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. Three-part being. Paul talked about that. Imagine that. 
He, he talked about the spirit, soul, and man, of, uh, uh, or spirit, soul, and body of man. We know the soul is three parts, the, the will, the, the mind, and the emotions. And so through that mankind, God works through us, God works with us, and he leads us and guides us and lives on the inside. And so he speaks to us, he gives us that inward witness to lead us this way or that way, the right way, praise God. It's only whenever we start looking at circumstances and things and how it would be better for us and all this that we get off track sometimes. I know nobody here has ever done that, but you know, I've heard of people doing that. So praise God. But we're learning, amen, and learning how that he leads us. And Paul talked a lot about that, talked about being led by the Spirit. Matter of fact, in, in Romans, when he talked to the Romans there, he talked about those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God or the children of God. That's the protocol. That's how God leads us and guides us by our spirit on the inside. Doesn't do it through dreams and visions and, and uh, because what, why? Because that's something natural, some of the things we can uh, can be manipulated by mankind or by the enemy but when God speaks directly on the inside of man Satan can't get in your spirit but God can praise God and that's where he lives on the inside and so he leads us and guides us from the inside thank God for that amen he speaks right on the inside there's that knowing well I don't know what to do in this situation well ask the Lord and then listen on the inside and you'll know what to do and you won't miss it praise God that's pretty cool so Paul talked much about that, and we're going to look into a little more of that as we continue to go along, and, and what Paul has to say that, and especially in Romans, is really good in the 8th chapter, and I encourage you to read Romans, the 8th chapter. But he also, before that, he talks about, uh, prior to that, in the 6th and 7th chapter of Romans, talks about that on the inside, you know, this old man, he's talking about before he he had this, had this uh, um, you know, being growed up in God that on the inside that there was this war going on his flesh wanted to do one thing but his spirit another he had to differentiate between the two how did he do that he began to grow his spirit man up how do you grow your spirit man up well we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God your spirit your the word is food to our spirit man just like natural food is to our natural man so as we stay in the scriptures, we stay in the word of God, it grows our spirit up, it grows us up spiritually. And because if, if you don't stay in the word of God, but yet you feed your natural man, your natural man will be nice and strong and your spirit man won't have the strength to stand against the wiles that comes along in this life. But we're learning, we're growing, amen? Let's everybody stand, pray. It's been a joy having you with us today. We pray you've been blessed by spending the time in God's Word. Always remember, you're valuable and precious, special and important to Him.